the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of vaccination and the potential impact that can have for beef cattle reproduction. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Dr. George Perry, who's a beef cattle reproductive physiologist at Texas A&M University. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Well, Dr. Perry, before we dive into today's topic, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and, and your current focus and role there at Texas A&M. So my background, I actually grew up in South Central Texas, uh, went to grad school at the University of Missouri. I spent about two years in Montana at the USDA Research Center there in Miles City. And then I spent 17 years at South Dakota State on faculty there before moving back to Texas during the summer of 2020. And my main focus in the beef industry is really looking at management decisions and management factors that impact reproductive efficiency. I'm really interested in why we get variation from herd to herd and how we can improve that over our management decisions to improve reproductive performance. And that's one of the things that got us involved with the vaccination issue is I kept getting questions on, can I vaccinate my cows at the start of the breeding season? I'm bringing them into the chute to synchronize them. They're already there. Can I just do things at that time? And so that's really where we started looking at things was what can we do management wise and where are we having any consequences in those decisions? So lay the groundwork for us a little bit more on that. You mentioned producers are asking the question, uh, share with us some of the research you did in terms of examining this topic and, and what are some of the things you found? So in looking at that, we really were getting the question, especially on replacement heifers. When they're in the feedlot, we're going to synchronize and breed them. When we go to put the cedar in or give them a shot of prostaglandin, can we vaccinate animals at that time? And all of the literature that has been out there, we know that uh, the viral vaccines, IBR and BVD, can impact follicular development and luteal function. And most of the dogma was that when we give those vaccines, it affects the dominant follicle that's there. And you can go back into the literature in the 1970s and stuff when these uh, modified live viruses were first coming out. And they showed that if they gave it to a naive animal, and they disrupted luteal function the next time. But when we think about our current synchronization protocols, I go in, I give GNRH and put a cedar in or the follow that process. We try to reset follicular waves. We have progestin present. And then we breed following that exposure. And so really the question became, if all the virus vaccines are impacting is that dominant follicle if I vaccinate at the start of a synchronization protocol, it doesn't really impact me because I don't worry about that corpus luteum that forms because I give GNRH to ovulate it. It forms, I put a cedar in to keep them out of estrus. So the quality of that CL isn't important. Seven days later, when I pull that cedar, I give prostaglandin, I breed on the next follicular wave. And so that was really our initial study we took naive heifers, we vaccinated them at the start of the synchronization protocol, we ultrasounded them to make sure they ovulated, 
And then we tracked them and we were taking blood samples every other day, monitoring things. And what we saw was really poor conception rates. Actually, we had about 40% of the animals that got a modified live at that time point, short cycle after when they would have been AI'd. And so it was kind of, okay, we're not only affecting that dominant follicle, we're affecting other follicles too. And by looking at that and the low pregnancy rates, and since we were taking blood samples every other day, we know when they returned to estrus, there was bulls out with them. And fertility was even lower when they returned to estrus. And so we knew there was a lingering effect. And that really got us looking at what these vaccines were doing to the ovary. Then the next question was really, okay, in cows that are vaccinated, do we have an impact? And we did a very large field trial. Uh, we've actually conducted two of them now, comparing modified live to killed vaccines, where they're given at the same time and they were all bi-label, so 30 days pre-breeding. Not at the start of the breeding season, but we went 30 days pre-breeding. And in well-vaccinated animals, and I'll be honest, when we started the studies, I didn't think we'd see anything. But what we've seen consistently is that when vaccinated about 30 days pre-breeding, we get a 5 to 8% decrease in AI conception rates following that synchronization period. So that lingering effect that we saw even in naive heifers, we're seeing it in a subset of animals that have been vaccinated. And just to clarify for our listeners, these would be cows that have been exposed to a modified live virus before, correct? Correct. So the large field study we did, we had everything from replacement heifers, and those replacement heifers would have had at least two doses around weaning, and then the pre-breeding vaccination. So they would have had three doses minimum. We had cows up to 13 years old in the study that would have gone through that at weaning and then had yearly dosing, pre-breeding for 13 years. And when we looked at an age effect, there was not a single age effect. It's not like it was only affecting young cows or old cows. It was kind of across the board. This subset was happening where they were having disrupted luteal function. They were having poor fertility. And so when I look at it as a physiologist, that five to eight percent, those animals we AI, the benefits of getting animals bred early in the breeding season, the benefits of the AI sire, those are the animals we've put the most effort into, the most funds into, that's the most expensive pregnancies, and those are the ones we're losing. Was there any difference between the killed versus the modified live? Yes. So that 5 to 8% I was talking about, so the killed vaccine was running about 5 to 8% higher AI conception rates than the modified live vaccine. Did you have a control group that did not get vaccinated? So in our, our first large field trial, we did do a control group. And so they were given saline. They were all in the pasture together and they did not differ from the killed vaccine. They actually ran as an intermediate between the two, but they were not different than the killed vaccine. And so we see that on the reproductive side, we have not seen the negative consequences when vaccinating 30 days earlier. As we've looked into the molecular side and we've been trying to investigate over the past several years, what mechanism is actually causing this? Our goal is if we can figure out what's driving this 
decrease in fertility, then maybe we can fix the problem and recapture the benefits. And what we see is even when we use a killed or an inactivated vaccine at the start of the breeding season, we don't see the negative consequences on pregnancy rates or luteal function. But when we get in and look at the CLs and we look at the cells that make up that corpus luteum, we can see some changes in them. And so we are getting an impact, but it's not to the level that we see with the modified live that's negatively consequences on reproductive performance. And so the overall immune system is really being upregulated. And so my recommendation is even with the killed vaccines, giving them when we're synchronizing is not a good time. We need to get it out early. And especially on the modified lives, the data we have so far, we need to be out at least 45 days pre-breeding. So just thinking about cattle from a management perspective, you know, we thinking about the window of when cows calve. I know some producers try to uh, brand and vaccinate their calves and then also give their, their round of shots to the cows at the same time. They're separated. It's a convenient time to do that. Uh, what I hear you saying is you need to be careful about thinking about that timing uh, as you think about your breeding season. Correct. And that is probably the question I get asked the most now that we've been working in this area for a while is how do I make this timing work? We have a large study going on right now that we're looking at vaccinating all the way out to about six months before breeding and seeing on the reproductive side what consequences there are. Our data right now goes out about 80 days. And so that's the reason I say to date, we know at about 45 days, we see an increase in fertility or AI conception rates in both modified live and killed vaccine when we get out past that time point. And so allowing the immune system to have their effect, have the response to the vaccination and then recover from it, we know there's those benefits. But our current study is, can we go out further? Because the question I get is, okay, can I do it at preg check time? Can I do it at branding? Can I do it? When are these different time points? And so that's one of the things we're currently investigating is, can we get out further pre-breeding or allow producers to pick and say, okay, this is when they're going through the shoot. I can do it now. We know as far as efficacy of the vaccines, most of the companies have done duration of immunity studies at least out or out to around a year. Uh, some have done 13 months. And so when we look at that, we know the immunity is there. When is the best time to give it? So as you think about this combination or just thinking about the comparing and contrasting the modified live and the killed virus, I guess, help us think through a little bit about those two products and thinking about a system, thinking about the impact or the impact to reproduction. As you look at the research you've done, how do you think about that from a commercial setting? So when we're looking at that and we think about modified live versus killed vaccines, we have to think about what each one is doing. And the best data that's out right now on priming the immune system is if we can get a modified live into animals around weaning. Because what the modified lives do is we give them a small dose of the virus. It replicates in the body. The body recognizes it. 
But in that process, it allows the body to recognize the full replication procedure. It sees the viral growth, all of those types of things. When we give a killed vaccine, we give a large bolus dose, usually also containing an adjuvant to really get the immune system working and looking at it on not necessarily the body seeing how that virus replicates in the body, but recognizing the different fragments. And so we get really good antibody response. And so those two systems and how we prime the immune system allows us, if we get modified lives in early and we really build those memory cells and get the functioning system, then when we give a killed vaccine, we give that bolus dose and the body recognizes it and it just builds back up those antibodies each year to keep the body currently recognizing what we're doing. We know depending on different vaccines, memory can last different lengths of time. But by doing that, we're avoiding some of the consequences that we've seen with the modified lives. And the killed vaccines have much more flexibility when we're giving it to pregnant cows or things like that. They're, we know they're very safe to use. And so I think it's actually a combination of the two and fitting it into your management styles to cover what you need to and knowing the correct places to use it. Dr. Perry, what other research are you doing in this area uh, currently? And then what are you considering as you're looking forward? So some of the stuff we're currently working on is how we're actually affecting the immune system. So one of my PhD students, Caitlin Epperson, just finished her PhD. Her last project was looking at killed versus modified lives and actually what in the immune system they changed. And so we were able to break down T cells, natural killer cells, all of the different cell types in the immune system that are in circulation and saying, okay, how are these different vaccines impacting them? And then we've taken that a step further because one of the things that the immune system can produce is cytokines. And we know from some of the dairy work that even when a infection occurs somewhere else in the body, the body says, hey, I'm under attack. It produces these cytokines and we can see negative consequences on reproduction. A prime example among dairy cows is mastitis. When mastitis is affecting the udder, there's still negative consequences on reproduction through the circulating cytokines. And so we took the samples to be able to come in and analyze following these vaccinations, are we changing cytokines and are we impacting them that can have an effect on the immune system? And do we need to wait until we get over that response of the body before we start reproduction? I've got a new student who has just started and her first project, what we're kind of looking at is, okay, do I vaccinate summer or fall? Because down here in Texas, if you wait and you're in the middle of summer, things can be hot. Cattle are under stress. We know that changes things. And so we need to know, are there timings that the body actually responds better? And so we're really trying to look into when can we get the best response to the vaccine 
without negative consequences on reproduction. Dr. Perry, anything else on this topic that you think would be valuable for producers to think through and understand as they think about their own production system? I think one of the things, and I get questioned a lot when I'm presenting, is I always tell people you need to visit with your local veterinarian. And was at a conference this past summer, and one of the producers was there. Well, you always tell people that. Why do you make that comment? Well, I'm currently in Overton, Texas. Spent years in Brookings, South Dakota. I know what's going on locally in those areas. But as the people listening to this podcast or that can be in different areas, your local vet or your local extension people are the only ones that know in your county what exposures are. And when we're talking about IBR, BVD, the things we vaccinate for, they're not reportable diseases. And so your local vet is probably the only one, and he can't tell you, but he can say, hey, we need to make sure your program's good in this area. And he knows what your animals can get exposed to through fence line contact, if you're bringing animals in from the sale barn, things like that. And so there's some situations, and I've seen some, where there's other things that need to be worried about versus that 5 to 8% loss on AI conception because of some of the other risky management things that were being used. And so keeping your vet involved because they know what the local area is, they know what your herd should be dealing with, is very important. And so we need to tailor these programs to different areas and what they're being exposed to locally. Dr. Perry, what resources would you point listeners to if they want to learn more about the research you've done or or how this might apply to their own situation? Uh, so there's several different resources that are out there. We did a uh, webinar on the uh, Beef Repro Task Force website. So if you go to beefrepro.info, there's a website there. We also have a YouTube channel that has all the webinars listed, and they can see from our proceedings. Uh, and actually, this coming year, uh, the Applied Reproductive Strategies and Beef Cattle Conference will be in Wyoming. Uh, we don't have the dates set yet, but be looking for that. And they're great resources. That website has all the synchronization protocols, all the different management stuff from bulls to heifers to postpartum cows that we've covered. And of course, a lot of our vaccine stuff is included in the write-ups and the uh, proceedings from the meetings. And then, like I said, the webinars also. So our research has covered that away. Like I said earlier, I would reach out to your local veterinarian, your local extension personnel to know what's going on in the area and local resources that way too on things that need to be dealt with locally. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciated the conversation and I appreciate the systems approach you're taking to look at this. Uh, just some really good information. Thank you. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, Dr. George Perry did mention the Beef Reproduction Task Force website. That's beefrepro.org. At that website, you can find additional resources on this topic.